I am a sea of love. 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 You are a sea of love. You are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to share a few announcements for this um, late summer, fall of 2021. First of all, and um, I, you may have been hearing me introduce myself as Sama Morningstar for quite some time, and I have recently made the decision to go back to using my birth name of Jessica and my married name of Huckabay. So you'll hear me introducing myself as Jessica from here on out. Uh, if anyone, if you're curious about the the reasons why I'm making that transition, you're welcome to reach out to me and I'd be happy to talk with you more about it. The other announcement that I want to make is that this episode that you're, well, I'm creating a series of episodes uh, for this fall, uh, all about ancestral healing. Uh, And this, all of this is leading up to and sort of whetting our appetite for the month long ancestral healing program that I will be hosting starting October 31st. And this program is part of the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship Program, but you can join just for the month long ancestral healing portion. And in this program, I will be holding space for you to discover your connections with your ancestors and find healing connections. So a lot of people are concerned about connection, connecting with their ancestors, especially the more wounded um, or difficult ancestry. And so it stops them from exploring ancestral healing. And in this program, we will explore ways to be able to access the wisdom and the healing um, parts of our ancestry to and and to help us liberate ourselves from the wounding patterns of the unhealthy and difficult aspects of our ancestry. So if this is of interest to you, go to wombcenteredhealing.com and look for the ancestral healing course. And um, all of these podcast episodes uh, for the next month or so, we'll be we'll be discussing various aspects of ancestral healing with the, with the guests on the show. So, looking forward to sharing that all with you. And um, I hope you enjoyed the episode.
Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Jessica Huckabay and I have Francis here with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Francis. Um, Francis, would you please introduce yourself and share about your journey with ancestral healing? This is another um, episode of the Ancestral Healing um, series that I've been doing, focusing on this topic. So um, please do share a little bit about yeah. yourself and your journey with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I'm Francis Goodall and I'm in Sheffield in the UK. And um, in my early 20s, I had chronic fatigue and went on a deep sort of healing and spiritual journey to figure out how to get myself healthy from that. And I managed to get myself healthy, mainly by doing personal work and kind of yeah, deep healing work and working with my mind and that kind of thing. But I still had some trauma in my body afterwards. I noticed that I was still like having quite a lot of strange symptoms, kind of almost like carrying shock in my womb and different kind of things were showing up. And um, through my body and through my energy system, I knew that there was still some big stuff there. And then that's when I started to look a bit deeper and got really curious about ancestral work and um, went for some family consolation sessions and also had some one-to-one -one family consolations with EFT with emotional freedom technique together to kind of help clear some of that and I really feel like in that process I, I cleared out a lot of kind of memories and trauma my body was carrying from from ancestors so I have great grandparents who were killed in the holocaust um, my granddad escaped he was only 16 at the time um, so so a lot of it was all from that and there was also I won't go into the details of who, but there was also rape in my family system. There was also sexual abuse as well. And I really felt that my body, like layer by layer, had to kind of clear out some of this stuff, you know, that wasn't mine. Mm. I mean, I spent a good while <laughs> thinking I'd been sexually abused as a, as a child. And now I pretty much don't think I was. And I think it was more that I was carrying the tra ancestral trauma around it. So. Wow. So I have already a list of <laughs> questions for you, just because I know that some listeners might not be familiar with some of the things and I'm not familiar with at least the first thing that I'm, um, well, I can imagine what you're talking about, but I'd love for you to clarify what your experience of, you talked about feeling shock in your yeah. room. Yeah. Describe that experience a little bit more and, and how you, how you came to call it that. Well, I mean, there's just been layers of stuff, not just shock, anger, you know, lots of other stuff. But, you know, I would literally like go in to do some healing work and then my body would kind of shake or kind of like my legs would shoot out. It was kind of like my my body was clearly carrying some quite big pieces of, of trauma. Um, and yeah, it did often feel like my sister would just go into shock and freeze and and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then That's also when you would connect with your womb itself yeah it was partly the womb often it was often the womb I mean other areas of the body as well the, the womb the diaphragm I often felt a lot of stuff as well but um and it's not like it's all gone now but I feel pretty clear these days certainly compared to what I was um many years ago so yeah and I, I've done probably I don't know maybe like eight years of ancestral work now or something like that so on and off yeah yeah I can relate to that of having you know for early experiences of contacting these areas in the body and the healing modalities that I've explored and having it be this big body movement shaking yeah. experience yeah. and then after so many years of going back and visiting and continuing with those healing modalities those kinds of 
reactions or responses in the body become fewer and farther between. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so it's interesting to, to watch that process gradually release those, those pent up energies that our body yeah. carries. Yeah. Um, and so you talked about family constellations and I, and I just mm-hmm. wanna slow down around some of these terms for listeners who might not be familiar with these healing modalities. So you talked mm-hmm. about uh, family constellations and you said it really fast. So <laughs> I wanna mm-hmm. make sure we slow that down so folks who wanna learn about it can learn more. So family constellations is one healing modality. And then EFT, emotional freedom technique, is another healing modality. And you're talking about combining these two. So you, can you describe a little bit about how both of those modalities work and how it works to combine them? Yeah, so Family Constellations is, was created by a man called Bert Hellinger, who was a psychotherapist, but also a priest and spent some time with the Zulu tribe in, in Africa or South Africa. Um, and then he realized how much they honored their ancestors. And then through that experience, he ended up developing this body of work, mainly working with groups in person where people would represent different family members and take on the energy of a, of a particular family member and, and then through the process would help to bring a resolution, a heal, some sort of healing into the family system. Um, and um, yeah, it's been passed on. And now these days people can do this work online. And I did quite a bit of training. Well, the last eight years I've done bits of family constellations training, but I've worked with someone called Stefan Hausner who, who specializes in uh, family constellations um, for serious disease and illness. Because because I had my chronic fatigue recovery journey, that has been my work over the last sort of 20 years has been helping other people on that the same journey on a chronic fatigue recovery journey, well, 15 years five years getting myself well and in the last 15 years I've been in some way of shape or form working with chronic illness and then emotional freedom technique is tapping and you're tapping on acupuncture points while speaking through uh, an emotional issue or or naming a limiting belief whatever it is you're working with and then and then the tapping helps bring clearing and helps calm the nervous system and can help bring relief to whatever you're tapping on um, and then there's someone called Deborah Donderlinger, who I did some mentoring with, who's written a book called Family Energetics, where she combines the systems of um, family constellations and EFT and, and works with them together um, with people one to one or in groups. And I did quite a bit of mentoring with her to help my work, but also one to one sessions with her to work through layers of, of my own ancestral healing work. Um, so we'd be tapping while also conjuring up a sense of the family system. And between us, we'd kind of intuit what needed some work, what needed some healing, what needed some relief. And some beautiful, amazing insights came from that and just senses of things and shifts of energy. And yeah, so. Mm, beautiful. Oh, and I, I've had my own experience of working with the family systems more through somatic um, healing processes through yoga and therapeutic dance and breath work and vocalization where you're getting in touch with where whatever the wherever that unhealthy pattern you're getting in touch with places in the body that feel constricted or in pain and then inquiring into that and and opening to receive insight or wisdom about what it's about and what it's connecting to 
And oftentimes it would be a past experience or even an ancestral experience. I've had experiences where it went back many, many, many generations into experiences that, you know, ancestral experiences that I had no, it, you know, ancestors that I didn't even know about from very long time ago and discovering, you know, just having a whole story arise out of, out of a sensation in the body, a, a sensation of constriction. And so, um, and, and, and I've also worked a little bit with the EFT and like you're talking about and just feeling how there's so many different ways that we can release these energies. I've also worked a lot with uh, writing. We were talking about before mm. we got on the call where, um, you know, through the writing process, the visionary writing process, um, all kinds of new perspectives or insights can come and where we can bring our wisdom of today to the source material of the ancestor's lifetime and also receive the wisdom of that ancestor's life for whatever's going on for us today. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's wonderful to talk about all these different approaches. And I yeah. love the EFT because the acupressure points are so, so powerful for mm -hmm you know, activating the way that energy flows through our bodies and what might be held or stuck or um, not flowing and getting that flowing again. Um, yeah. So often trauma um, can be held in, in stagnation and, and stagnant energy. And, and it's a natural response of the body to sort of package difficult things up and, and, and like, hide it away yeah, <laughs> in a cave yeah. somewhere. And that's why the womb ends up holding so much because even if we didn't experience trauma directed at the womb, oftentimes that's like the place in our body that, that we, we kind of can hold things. It's a nice dark little cave in there, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, of course other, there's other places that we can, we can hold these mm -hmm. things. So Wow, thank you so much for sharing about your healing journey. So have you have you explored um, ancestral healing beyond the the family that you know about? Like have you ever had any experiences of connecting with ancestral material that you're still carrying from ancestors that you don't that's not on your family tree? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I've had, um, a, a probably, it's hard to remember all my experiences, but I've had a very strong experience of feeling that I would, that I somehow connected to the witch burning times, the burning times in some powerful way. And like my system was carrying something really strong around that. And I don't know if it was an ancestor that was somehow there or like around that time or whether it was like a past life memory or what it was, but there was definitely some intense um yeah work that I've had, feel like I've had to do it came up quite strongly through my womb actually um it was actually after I'd had my my son and and um because I breastfed him for so long and during the night I didn't have a bleed for about three or four years and then the, just like the pre-menstrual time before that so much stuff came up and I 
ended up thankfully being in a circle of women by a fire and I was just like really felt like this like really powerful memories coming through around around the burning times um, mm. wow this was this yeah. was during your premenstrual time before you started bleeding again after giving birth to your son and breast breastfeeding yeah. For several point. years I don't know what yeah. it's built up ready to like release through my system or something I'm not sure but it was really powerful what like I powerful couldn't initiation yeah. right go ahead I'm sorry I interrupted you. yeah I guess after, after you know I guess it's a powerful initiation of, of being a being a woman to give birth and to yeah all of that so yeah well, I just want to honor and, and celebrate you for recognizing that. I mean, part of the work that I do is to help mothers recognize the potency of initiation that motherhood and all of those aspects of motherhood, you know, conception, yeah. gestation, birth, breastfeeding, and then resuming menstruation after all of those things are all these beautiful uh, bio-mystical initiations, mm. portals really, mm. uh, through our biology uh, to visionary wisdom and soul guidance that if we recognize these portals uh, with the, you know, and, and, and honor them for the potency that they have, I just wanna celebrate the wisdom that you had in that moment to, to be in a circle of with of women around a fire as you know to, for this initiation for yourself it sounds like you weren't really necessarily planning it that way but some part of you may have been planning it that way <laughs> well, it's a way it went I mean it's actually a circle that me and two of my best friends had started many years before and we meet you know at all the quarters of the year like Sawain and winter solstice all those things and we have a book we follow and a process we follow it was just like perfect timing because just before that I could I was either like flat out could hardly move or felt like I needed to scream on the floor it was just like what is going on to, with me I don't understand this wow. and but then to be in that safe space and to let some of that move through and uh, yeah so what what did you use what were what was the methodology in that circle because it sounds like you know, meeting with a circle uh, on a regular basis around the seasons of the year and, and following a book, it's, this sounds like a whole other um, <laughs> healing modality that you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, well, I guess that's the, the power of the women's circle, really, the power of a safe space where everyone gets to be heard and share their feelings. And if they've got anything to let go of to the fire, to let go of it to the fire. Like, so in that in that particular night, I think I remember standing up and literally screaming and shaking my body and kind of just getting out, moving through some stuff. And then, you know, then we move on to sort of more like, you know, things we're grateful for or prayers for the world. So like a process of a kind of ritual we go through together and, and also read, read some, do some readings from a book as well around, around the so theme of- Around the theme of? The festival, the theme of that particular festival. Uh -huh. Do you remember what festival it was? Uh, I don't actually, it was probably, I feel like it was um, probably like um, uh, spring equinox or something, but I'm not sure, yeah. Okay. And so there, and, and these different festival, these different seasonal festivals that you mentioned, like uh, spring equinox, and you mentioned Samhain, which I'm not yeah. sure all listeners yeah. are familiar with Samhain, but that corresponds usually to the fall equinox, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Halloween, it's the one between the um, autumn no. equinox. 
it's um, between, yeah. yes, it's between autumn ex equinox and um, winter solstice. solstice. So, <laughs> right. So just to clarify for listeners who aren't familiar with, so there's the, the quarter days and the cross quarter days, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the term for that. So the quarter days are spring equinox, summer solstice, fall equinox, and winter solstice. And these are days when um, the equinox means there's an equal amount of daylight as there is nighttime. Mm -hmm. And this is more of these, these seasonal changes are more uh, pronounced the farther you get away from the equator on this planet right so if you live close to the equator it's pretty much same 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 all the time right but the farther north or south you get you have a more pronounced experience i'm just explaining this in case folks don't are yeah. not familiar with this because not we can't assume that everyone understands how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah and even me i'm fumbling around well, what, what does that mean right it's really You've good got it clearer than i have because okay. i've been doing this for 15 years i can't fully describe what you i'm can't doing explain it, right Right. Right. And so, okay, so the equinox in the spring and the fall is when there's equal amounts of sunlight and nighttime. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the, um, the solstice is when there's the longest night or the longest day. So summer solstice is when you have the longest day of the year. And the winter solstice is the longest night of the year and the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere is the summer solstice in the southern hemisphere yes, yes. and vice versa so we're coming up on the winter solstice and we've just here in the northern hemisphere and we've just had Samhain now the cross quarter days are holidays right in the middle between those yes each one so but so you might know the names the english names yeah. of these festivals um better than i do um but we can maybe between the two of us piece yeah, of we might be able to figure out between. <laughs> okay so between okay so there's um between the uh winter solstice yeah. And the spring equinox, right? The the days are getting longer. From as soon as you have the longest night, the shortest day, it flips and it starts getting longer. And that's the origin of the return of the sun, the rebirth mm -hmm. mythology that we have, right? That's the origin of it. Is that the sun is dies mm -hmm. at that time? It gets very small and very short of a visit each day right and that's the whole mythology of like okay the sun dies and then is reborn right and halfway between that spring equinox when it's equal day and night is what in bulk in bulk okay yeah. so february 2nd around yeah. that day yeah, exactly. for northern yeah. hemisphere for normal yeah. northern hemisphere and in bulk is a, a festival where it's all about um, now, you know, white foods like milk 
and eggs because chickens will start laying eggs uh, again. With around, around Easter as well then. Is it around Easter? Oh no, is that the next one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it, yeah, without looking at a calendar. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Easter is later on. Easter is later, later because, but that's connected with one of the festivals as well. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I think it might be around the same time. I, I don't know. Yeah. Easter, yeah. I think, is in, in April. Or? Yeah, it's more like April or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but it's all all of these you know holidays christian holidays really you kind of took over mm-hmm. um these festivals because yeah, people yeah, had like, been practicing them forever like halloween and, and Samhain and exactly yeah, yeah um so okay so there's in bulk and then there's beltane is halfway between the spring yeah. equinox and the summer solstice okay and maybe that's the one that's around the time of easter yeah right and then the one that's between summer solstice and fall lamas lamas yeah when's lugnasad oh i'm not sure about that name (laughs) you've not heard of that name no there's one called lugnasad that i'm not sure when that one is either maybe it must be one of the ones that i've mentioned we've mentioned but a different name for it i don't know maybe we'll have to look that one up um anyway so then we have lamas and then we have between the fall equinox and the winter solstice is Samhain or otherwise known as Halloween or All Saints Day and actually that's a good time for ancestral healing and maybe is it because of the the veil between this world and the other world is meant to be thinner and and all of that so exactly yes because you know in the um that's when the trees lose their leaves the the autumn and the fall there's this sense of death Mm -hmm. right the sun is getting uh spending less time in the sky during the day there's a sense of death uh, leading up to rebirth and that gives us a sense that the veil between the world of the living and the world Mm -hmm. of the dead is thin Mm -hmm. Mm, mm. right so that's why Samhain or All Saints Day or Dia de los Muertos the Day of the Dead you know there's worldwide there's um, celebrations of connection with the ancestors uh, within traditions where ancestors are honored and considered to be still with us in which we can um, and this is a good time of year to connect with them and you know, offer nourishment and, you know, cultivate and nurture that relationship. And once you start getting into that, that starts to happen year round, really, you know, in these ceremonies. And I don't know about your circle of women, if that was something that you would do regularly throughout the year. Yeah, we would quite often bring in ancestral work to an extent. Yeah, now you say it. I hadn't really thought of it, but we, yeah, we, we did, we have done over the years. Yeah. And if there's a particular, you know, at any given time, there might be a particular ancestor that anybody might be working with, especially if somebody passes away yeah. in the family, yeah. then the grieving process and the, and the, maintenance of the connection with that ancestor or establishing the connection with that person as an ancestor in a new way um, is an important process to tend to that that is 
I feel often can be nurtured by having a group or community mm. that, that meets on a regular basis. And I imagine um, there's times when that's been the case, somebody passes away, there's grieving yeah. and yeah. you support each other through that yeah, in your exactly. circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was and I just think it's so ironic that this is such a part of your life that yeah. it wasn't even, you're not even thinking of it as a healing modality, but as myself, I've had from time to time, I've had circles and groups like that, uh, but I haven't, it's not a hundred percent constant all the time. Mm -hmm. I've moved around a lot and it's um, not as much part of the culture mm -hmm. here. Like it's, or maybe, and maybe it is where you are, maybe not, maybe it's something. I, I think it was quite unique. A friend suggested the yeah, forming it about 15 years ago. I think she was quite unique with her idea, but I'm sure there are, there are other circles as well, but yeah. And there are here too, but having a group of sustained friends over a long period of time, I've, I've moved around a lot in my life mm -hmm. and, and, you know, starting a group again and, and get finding yeah. the people that are going to show up over a period yeah. of time is yeah. not as easy as that is all that yeah. right it doesn't yeah. Yeah. and I imagine you've had members of your circle come and go oh yeah come and go and it's kind of ebbed and flows with numbers and sometimes it hasn't happened and you know you know we've all had well two of the people that I started with have recently had children I had my my first son eight eight years ago um so yeah yeah wow yeah so you know, but having a circle like that as part of your life, I, I'm I'm just celebrating you again. That yeah, no, it's been amazing. I love yeah. it. I mean, I do actually do circle work myself online, so I hold circles, and and actually to have that foundational support of a circle, you know, it's been really important for the work that I've been doing in the world around and um, yeah, women women's groups and circle work. So yeah, yeah, I just really appreciate that and. Um, encourage myself as well as anyone else listening to this who are like I want a circle it's met for 15 years that I could always go to with these things like okay how do we how do we set that up how do we cultivate that for ourselves and and feeling like you know I can relate to listeners who might be like wow none of my friends would ever do that or how could I sustain that and I've I've uh you know found it quite challenging sometimes to really sustain a mutually supportive genuinely mutually involved group where mm -hmm. it's not just one person yeah. who, like namely myself who's doing yeah. all the logistical legwork for it which gets yeah. tiresome after a while and anytime yeah. somebody, anytime I say hey can somebody else host or organize yeah. or bring the food or would like that then it never and then it doesn't happen yes yeah it's important there's more I mean more than one person taking that on I mean because we've always done it as a kind of free thing thing we've not I've never like never been part of our work our business it's more just been part of our lives and part of our joy and, and part of our, our service in a way but but in community with other people you know, sharing who's going to hold space and that sort of thing. And yeah. And so you have enough people in your circle that will step up and take responsibility for, okay, I'm going to bring the cake and it's going to be, and somebody else says that's going to be at my house and somebody else says, okay, I'll bring the drinks. And somebody else is saying, I'll keep track of the calendar and send everybody a, a, a reminder. And 
you know, all the different things that are involved that, that it's everybody sharing a part in the organization. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, there have been three of us mainly that have been doing it, but yes, yeah, somewhat. And then there's actually, three, it's not just yeah. one, right? There's three. <laughs> no, it's definitely good. It's definitely, yeah, good. And then we do generally keep it quite simple. Just have a, actually have a fire in the woods somewhere, which we've chosen quite a safe place. And then we just, we need someone to bring the book and we need someone to set the fire up and, and send someone to kind of hold space, but yeah. Yeah, the book, the book is good worth, I, I think it's really good. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, Sacred Earth Celebrations by a woman called Glenny Kindred. It's a really good, good, really good, like really, really great to read her, you know, a bit of a reading on the particular festival before we start. And uh -huh. she also has some ideas in there for things you might want to do around that festival. And yeah. It's, I see. Lovely. So you might all look at the book before you're going to meet and say, yeah. oh, look, we could do this. I'll bring supplies for that. Or, you know, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. even just the reading is quite a good way to start the session or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, your experience then with having been in touch with in this premenstrual after a long pause period of like that's when that's that's considered in the menstrual cycle that's considered the autumn that's considered the the yes the, 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 yes. the Samhain of our cycle yes. right that's yes. the Samhain of our cycle as we're going into the nighttime which is yeah duration and yes. and that that's when the veil is thin for us yes yes right well, that's, that's, over the years I've I've had I've often booked sort of a healing session at that time of the month because I have often had something big coming up and I'm like I can't deal with this on my own so I've often booked healing sessions at that time of the month so yeah yeah and then it worked out perfectly that you had your circle yeah, this time was the uh, worst was around the, the fire when yeah. you were you know that that kind of build up of that yeah. intense premenstrual right yeah and bringing that that child was your first child mm. right yeah. and giving birth to your first child can often and every child really yeah. can often bring up yeah. um ancestral connections that you weren't even aware of right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. sounds like it was just the perfect arrangement yeah. for you yeah. to yeah. be able to release into the fire and, yeah. and could you say a little bit more about this process of releasing into the fire for those who might not be familiar with that kind of a practice? What is that? Yeah, I mean, for us, it just, it, I mean, we'd often go around and share something we want to let go of. We might like put something in the fire to represent that, whether that's just a bit of a stick or a bit of paper with something written down that we're letting go of. Or we might sometimes stand up and just like let all of our feelings out, whatever's flowing through, just let it flow through and, and kind of just release it to the fire, release it to the air around us, you know, release it in a safe space where we feel held and, and safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And using the elements to kind of help transform and transmute um, those energies. The element yeah. of fire and yeah. also the element yeah. of air because yeah, and the, the earth beneath us often I'll have my bare feet on the ground as well. So, you know, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. and and when you say sh express your emotions, you kind yeah. of described it earlier of making a big sound. Yeah, it might be like screaming or like, yeah, just making whatever sounds want to spontaneously come out through the body. Yeah. And this yeah. wasn't new to you that time. 
I probably done similar things to that, like on and off over the years at the circle or whatever, but that was a particularly like intense. I was like, whoa, this is big. What's coming up this time? You know, it was, it felt like the, the, the most intense experience I had premenstrually ever. And I'd already had quite intense experiences before that, but that was like the most intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I felt such a relief afterwards. You know, I, I remember yeah. just being like, oh, I'm so glad I had this circle to come to. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and this circle of people that you had explored vocal expression and release into the fire and a variety of these experiences you've already you had already explored that with them so yeah you, you had yeah. an experience of okay I know it's safe to fully yes. let loose here yes exactly yeah 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 yeah. And, and do you remember any earlier times when maybe it wasn't so intense, but that you were encouraged to explore vocally releasing your emotions in a therapeutic setting? Can you remember? Yeah, I mean, I've done lots of things over the years. So I've had quite a few breath work sessions over the years. Um, so yeah, in, in those, I, I was, yeah, you know, encouraged to just let whatever sounds wanted to come out and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah I've, I've explored a lot of healing modalities and a lot of different approaches that invite you to kind of express through your body whether it's through sound or movement just what's coming up so yeah do you remember like the first times that you were in a situation where you were being invited to express yourself that way I mean I'm just remembering back um for me, it always felt like such a relief to be able to express myself, but I know other people, you know, because this is a big part of the work that I do and hold space for folks to do as well, that I often hear uh, people saying, wow, I, I'm trying to express myself, but it's not coming out like my, mm-hmm. and I can see, and I have felt myself, the constriction in the voice. Yeah. And of course, I've felt, you know, constrictions in the body, parts of the body don't want to move or like that. And I'm just curious um, if you can share any experiences like that, where it was it was hard to let the vocal expression out. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure, you know, when I was ill with chronic fatigue, I think I had loads of like screaming and moving my body to, to do to get well. And you know yeah I would you know maybe feel shy about doing something like that in certain environments or with certain people um so I guess it was just about finding the places where I felt safe and the people I felt safe to do it with and then in the end I often found that when I was premenstrual I needed to scream to get through the month and sometimes I'd just do it like when I was even renting a room off an older lady and in her attic I'd just suddenly scream and every now and again I'd come down and she'd be like it's, yeah, it's kind of good that I kind of understand what you're doing from my years of being a psychologist but uh, she said anyone else might be a bit scared with their lodger screaming in the attic but <laughs> yes right which brings up you know uh some some concerns for folks who might yeah. be listening to this and going gosh I could never just scream in my apartment or or yeah. scream you know um that it does we do need you know in order for these um practices to to feel comfortable we need to have you know set up some kind of therapeutic environment right I imagine you found practitioners that you felt safe with but you also said that you had experiences and so have I of 
of situations where maybe that was being invited, but I didn't feel safe and held enough mm-hmm. or comfortable enough with the circumstance or situation to yeah. really let loose or even get in touch with what yes. might need to be expressed. And I know I can think of a handful of examples of that for myself where, um, you know, one, I'm thinking I was actually involved in holding the space. Yes. And uh, for a large number of people and felt that I needed to, you know, that, that I, I had a job holding the space that didn't really allow me to fully get, you know, fully release what was going on mm-hmm. in me and the way that it was set up. I wasn't the only one, you know, setting it up um, yeah. in the way that others had set it up it didn't really, it wasn't really conducive for me to be able to hold the space and fully express in that way. Yes. Um, and it might not always be even when I set it up, you know, I, I, the job of holding the space for others might require a different way of being than, mm-hmm. you know, and then how people hold the space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know my experience has been that when there's a lot of healing modalities that try to go chasing after that and try to create that kind of intense mm-hmm. experience, yeah. which is a very different approach than what you talk about of having it coming up all on its own yeah, and having yeah. the safety and of the circle that you're familiar with. Nobody's chasing after it. Nobody's trying to get you to scream. Nobody's, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's just holding you to be however you need to be and release and do whatever you need to do. Whereas a lot of healing modalities and actually I find them to be quite re-traumatizing. Yes, I guess they're chasing after it. You know, pushing or chasing after it and taking someone out of their window of tolerance um, and safety. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of manipulative tactics that some Mm -hmm. healing modalities you know and and practitioners will use to try and get you to have this dramatic experience by accusing you of not being ready or not being courageous enough or you know being too shut down or whatever and and I just want to bring some of that up uh, no that's really relevant yeah because I think to get to that point for my system to be ready for that kind of expression I'd already done a lot of like for example basic regulation of my system a lot of healing work before that so I don't yeah it's um yeah it might not be necessary for everyone also and people can have a healing very deeply healing experience with just one little tear coming down their cheek can't they so it's like so different for different people Mm -hmm. and different systems and depending on um yeah personal experiences ancestral experiences that can look very different um, yeah and, and and that's perfect I'm glad you said that because you don't have to have a big screaming no in order yeah. to release it can be just as powerful of a release with a tear or even quiet humming I've discovered yeah. that because you know like late at night in my bathtub with my husband sleeping in the next room over and having things coming up in the water and late at night and I'm not wanting to make big enough noise that would, you know, yeah. disturb my upstairs apartment neighbor and or my husband who's trying to sleep yeah. in the middle of the night. So yeah. I learned many nights the power of quiet humming because mm-hmm. the vibration of the voice 
is a big part of what regulates our nervous system and the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the screaming is a great release and that regulation of the nervous system can happen with simple, quiet humming mm-hmm. of returning to yeah. a state of well-being, returning to rest and digest. And the screaming is great for um, releasing whatever expression was suppressed. Yes, yes. That, did, that wasn't allowed and that just needs to be released. Um, yeah. and, and that the quiet humming or other kinds of vocal, there's just such a full range of, yeah. of therapeutic vocalization um, that I just wanna speak to so that listeners can, can understand that we're not saying screaming at the fire is the only way to. It's so wonderful to, to celebrate you in that, in the story that you have shared. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah and I didn't think we'd go into all of that. Actually, it's been interesting, so thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad you were willing to, to share about that because, you know, those kinds of um, community-based healing practices, we tend to take them for granted. Mm. And I'm glad that you have it so in your life. Yeah, and it just reminds me, although we don't do any more, we had a little period where we also met in between those ones. So we actually ended up meeting every three weeks in the year. And Uh and in those in-between ones, we all got the opportunity to ask for whatever we wanted. So we might just want to be heard. We might want to be held. We might want to be massaged. We might want to scream or we might want to be sung to. You know, it was just like, you it is so beautiful. Mm. Like such powerful things happen in those circles. And actually, I do remember some really powerful ancestral healing happening in one of those circles for me as well, where I, yeah, my dad had just had a heart attack actually. And I really felt that energetically I was feeling some of the underlying emotional and family system imprints beneath the heart attack. And it was like, pff, all this stuff just kind of cleared through my body in the circle. And yeah, mm. so amazing experiences. So I'm so grateful that yeah. Yeah, kind of spaces, yeah. Right, and that's all, that's not with any, I mean, I'm sure that other members of your circle have their own training and- Yeah, a lot of them are therapists or- Right, yeah. healing yeah. modalities, which yeah. is great. But it's not necessary. No, not all of them are. They just can hold space, and yeah, not all of them are. Absolutely, it's right. Well, really, isn't it? And yeah, when we're in community, something bigger kind of happens. A bigger field happens that supports mm-hmm. healing. So yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's really important for for us as trained practitioners to also emphasize um, that there's a lot of healing that people can do on their own in their communities without having to, you know, pay for, pay a bunch of money they might not have even, (laughs) you know, for professionally trained, although it's really good to, you know, when we need it to, to find a way to get that kind of professional support. Um, But that, you know, that, that, you know, healing has been so commodified Mm -hmm. and yet it was historically and ancestrally something that just happened in the community as Mm -hmm. part of the festivals and part of the the seasons of the year and like that and I just I'm so glad we got to emphasize that today that this is something that that uh, folks can feel empowered to read about and explore together and follow we can follow our own inner wisdom and develop our own skills um, 
and experiment and explore and and just you know learn how by listening to our own inner wisdom and listening to our bodies we can start to learn what's necessary to feel safe for our own healing process and so i'm just so grateful that you were able to share some of that with with me and, and with our listeners um as well as of course these well-developed healing modalities that you've also mentioned yeah. so yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, not to say that the, the circle meeting, you know, circle healing, um, community healing is not well-developed. That's the most well-developed uh, uh, healing modality of them all. People have been doing that since the beginning of time. That was the yeah. origin of many of these healing modalities. You even mentioned the guy who, who supposedly created family constellation yeah. did, did so after visiting you know, tribes in Africa who had that as part of their community. Yes. Yeah. Part of their life together, that this yeah. is just an intrinsic part of their life of honoring the ancestors and working through stuff through those practices. Yeah. And, and then for that, for that therapist, he said, Oh, wait a second. This is, this is something that, you know, that, that yeah. we could make into a modality and charge people money for, <laughs> right? But, but the truth is there's traditions that you were doing with your community since before that, that are, yeah. that, you know, yeah. Yeah. honoring the ancestors too. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. And it just got developed more, right? And, or, yeah. you know, put in a yeah. new context or, you know, so, all right. Well, there we go. Um, I uh, lost track of time getting all passionate about these topics. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us. Um, is, is there a way that folks can get in touch with you? I know you offer family constellation sessions for folks mm -hmm. that might want to explore that. Um, is there a way that folks can get in touch with you to learn more about you and yeah, so my website is just my name. So that's francisgoodall.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-E-S and then G-O-O-D-A-L-L. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well with the same name. So yeah. Okay. Good. And also I've got a, I've got a site called womenswellnesscircle.com as well. Womenswellnesscircle.com. I run um, circles of women online to support women on a healing journey from chronic illness. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, women's wellness, women's wellness circle.com and yeah. Francis Goodall yeah. on the, as a website and on Facebook. And yeah. listeners also know that you can learn more about what's happening at the Womb Centered Healing Temple by going to wombcenteredhealing.com. Sign up for the newsletter there to get um, updates and announcements about upcoming offerings and events. All right, thanks so much. Take good care until next time. That's all for now.